The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is April 6th right now. Um, Someone actually messaged us and told us that they didn't think we chatted (laughs) enough in the last episode. So we said that we would be sure to do lots of chatting in this episode. But just as a friendly reminder to the people who are either new here and don't really know us, so you don't really care, or if you just think we're annoying, there's always a little timestamp in the episode notes that you can just click and it'll bring you right to the start of the story. Or depending what app you're on, you could just fast forward to that point. But it's pretty much usually around eight to nine minutes on average. Yeah. So when new people message us being like, you talk for 20 minutes about yourself. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've ever spoken for 20 minutes. No. The about longest, non, non-topic items. <laughs> the longest where I felt like almost guilty was like 12 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's nice because a lot of people say, you know, it's just like chatting. There's a, a meme that I was seeing where it's like, you know, when you feel like your podcast of friends are your best friends and it's this person sitting next to these, a poster of two girls talking and just laughing. Like, mm-hmm. And it just feels like, you know, you're chatting with, I enjoy, you know, the podcast too sometimes when they have a bit of a chat. You know, I know it's not for everyone, but we give you all the tools if you want to skip forward. So, yeah, like I have podcasts where I like love listening about their lives and all that because I feel like, like I know what's going on. So I want updates. <laughs> and I feel like we always have to harp on this and like people are probably like, we get it. But it's annoying because we do always talk about it and then we still get like a review that's like, they only care about themselves. <laughs> like um, it's an hour and 20 minute episode, an hour episode. We talk about ourselves for uh, less than 10 minutes. So. <laughs> and people oh, don't realize that we've done this, not just the podcast, but online with our social media like groups, the Facebook groups for a long time since 2017. So some people have been interacting with us since then. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, sometimes fair enough when we talk about our breakfast, that's not that exciting. But sometimes we talk about exciting things like your wedding and travel and all that stuff. Like that's kind of exciting. I'd be happy to hear that if my friends were doing things like that. So yeah. And then when we don't have any like too much to talk about, we don't really talk that much <laughs> so anyway the person said today they wanted a wedding update so how's your wedding update going um it's going it's i got my invitation this week that was very exciting it's so funny because my friend who lives in washington state got hers like within a week of me sending them but then my friend who lives in alabama got hers literally the day before you got yours <laughs> like a month later basically the mail is out of control yeah, and even like I know with some other stuff that we've talked about, some of it never arrives, some of it arrives within a day. I'm like, what is going on? I, I just can't figure it out. It's so frustrating. But my kids um, are very excited. They're like, what is this? It's an invitation. They were opening it up. Oh, so cute. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so there's like 50-something days left, mm. getting all the final stuff done, uh, RSVPs and all that. I have my bridal shower on Saturday, so... I've been going tanning, which I know people are going to be like, ah, don't go tanning, which like I don't usually. I used to go tanning a lot when I was younger before anyone gave a fuck about skin or anything like in the Jersey Shore era (laughs) days. Um, But I haven't for ever since then. 
but I'm so pale and like wearing white and like little white dresses. I'm like, ugh, it just does not look great on me unless I have a little bit of a tan. So I've been going a few times just to get some color. And today I've been having kind of like a hectic day. So I was like in a rush because I had to get back to record and this and that. And I left my fucking like this thick like hairband on my wrist the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, ugh, I'm fuck my life. You have to do an extra session to get rid of it. <laughs> I know, but it's it's Thursday, and oh yeah, before you Saturday shower on the weekend. Oh. So I mean, it doesn't look bad now, but you like the tan comes out more after a couple hours. I do have that like gradual tanning lotion, so I might just apply it right there if it looks <laughs> bad. I was so mm. irritated, and then just going on about how my day has been just like nonstop on my way to the gym and to go tanning. I felt so overwhelmed and I looked at my watch and my heart rate was like 120 but I was just sitting and driving like I wasn't doing anything my resting heart rate's normally like high 70s 80 and I was like I think I'm having like a panic attack and I had to literally talk myself through it <laughs> and be like bitch you are just driving nothing mm. is wrong right. like I know it's a long day but you're okay it's just the, so. co- the kind of culmination of everything yeah too overwhelming it was just because there was a slight like schedule change i was gonna go to the gym alone right after work and it's closer to my job but then mike was like no come get me i want to come so then i had to like drive 15 minutes to pick him up but just like calculating the time and how much time i had to do things in my head i was like (laughs) too much too much (laughs) i'm bad at math i'm bad at time i was just like what is happening (laughs) well i'm glad that you managed to talk yourself out of it and it's not down. like crash and die having a yeah. panic attack while driving <laughs> yeah bad timing yeah mm. but you're you're getting ready for your big trip yeah well it's friday here so um i don't know if it's the same there but here easter is kind of a big holiday so everyone is basically off work friday and monday everything is closed here today for good friday so um my in-laws arrived last night from New Zealand, so they're here to ready to mind the kids and we have to I have to get up at 3 a.m. on Sunday to get to the airport. So I've basically got one and a half nights left before we have to go. Mm. So I've started packing. I'm recording in my bedroom today because I've got a full house. So I'm surrounded by suitcases and clothes and shoes and stuff. So my plan is to try and get organized today. Yep, but we fly out in about I don't know, 48 hours or something. So that's exciting. How long is the flight again? I feel like you told me about it. Well, we are not going direct because it was just crazy expensive. So we're flying to Cairns, which from Sydney is around three hours, and then we have a stop over there for an hour or two, and then we fly to Tokyo, so it's seven hours. So to fly direct would be 10 hours all up. It's a 10-hour flight, so not too bad. And the thing that's really good too is because I feel like anytime we fly anywhere from Australia because it's so far away from everywhere, it's always a massive time difference and hard to kind of acclimatize and adjust to the time but Japan is only one hour behind which is amazing I'm looking forward to that that'll be easier yeah that's fun yeah so should be exciting the weather's looking good over there looks warming up so yeah I picked up my Japanese yen yesterday (laughs) it's funny because I think like I ended up exchanging like five hundred dollars or something to take and that's like fifty thousand yen It's like a lot to hold or they have like higher Well, they do have bills. higher notes. So I think they gave me two ten thousand, which is a hundred dollars each. So that's two hundred dollars is 
20,000 and then they gave me the rest in 1,000 notes, which is $10. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's funny to, you know, do the conversion and feel like you've got, wow, all, these, all this money, see all the zeros on the notes, but it's $10. Conversion <laughs> and trying to figure out, like, other people's money it gives me like an instant headache <laughs> I've actually been playing like this game because I just feel dumb I, I, I hope everyone feels this way but when I was younger and still in high school and college obviously I felt like I was so much smarter and now I don't really have to use any of that knowledge and the random shit you learn I just feel dumb lately so I started <laughs> I downloaded this app called Elevate this isn't an, an ad just to be clear but it's supposed to just help with kind of um no see like I can't even form a sentence with <laughs> knowing things and just like your vocabulary and easy math and just like random facts and stuff and I was actually feeling that way before someone left us a review being like these girls are dumb they say like all the time and they have bad grammar I want to be like bitch I was a writing major in college my grammar is fine and I do say like a lot but I'm really trying to say it less but it's very a hard habit to break Donnie's barking right on cue out there. <laughs> I don't even hear him. I'm good. <laughs> oh, and one one other thing. I want everyone to send some well wishes to Peep. She, she's not in danger or anything. She's absent for the moment from today's episode. Yeah, well, so I think she's not feeling good. They Both of my cats, they're like nine. They don't have the best teeth. I brought my one to the vet. I might have talked about it on here, just how I was dreading it. And he has to get his teeth, like, done where they put them, like, under anesthesia. And now Peep's teeth seem to be bothering her. So I have to make her a vet appointment. I just hate bringing them to the vet. It's like mm. they act like I'm torturing them. But so I think she's not feeling good. And I was trying to, like, look at her mouth before we started recording. But I was, like, bothering her too much. And now she's, like, on to me and thinks I'm up to something. So she's <laughs> she's avoiding me. She's she in knows her what's going on. She actually went into her, her little bed on the other side of the room so I could see her. She's sleeping. But everyone's sent some well wishes to peep in her stupid teeth. <laughs> Hopefully by the next episode or by the time have a good update. it'll be sorted. Oh, <laughs> yeah. gosh. So much going on. Yeah. All right. So one quick update from a case that we covered a lot last year. I was actually – 2021 wasn't it? it was I don't even know where the time's gone anyway we covered it a lot when it happened it was the abduction of Cleo Smith in Western Australia so she was abducted from her family's campsite in October 2021 and she was found alive 18 days later which was unbelievable like remember when she was rescued by the police and she's like my name is Cleo mm. she was so cute so anyway the man who was arrested and charged with her abduction is Terence Darrell Kelly. He pled guilty to kidnapping and abducting her, and he was sentenced this week to 13 and a half years in jail, but they did backdate it to October 2021. So essentially he will, he is eligible to apply for parole in 11 years, which essentially now means nine and a half years So because they've backdated it. So it seems to me like that is quite a lenient sentence. I know that they said their reasoning for sentencing him was like giving him that kind of shorter sentence was because of kind of trauma that he'd suffered as a child. He was given alcohol as a child and different things like that. I know a lot of people are mad about the sentence. Um, Cleo's mother and father were in court for it. I, they haven't really made a statement about what they, um, you know, what they think. And it's it's just, it's, it is sad to me because Cleo won't even be 18 by the time he's out of jail. And the other problem is that they don't know a lot of what really happened to her because yeah. she's so little. 
And they said, like, asking her and kind of trying to, like, figure out exactly what happened to her would just re-traumatize her, really. So a lot of people have asked if, like, she was sexually assaulted because most people would assume that'd be the motive. And I think they've said they don't believe so. Yeah, he did say, I have read that he, quote, roughed her up, which I'm assuming... And that I he, don't... like, was trying to tie her up and, like, tape her to a chair, which I feel like is so traumatizing for a little yeah. kid anyways. I don't – yeah, from what I've heard, they, they've never publicly said that he did sexually assault her. It seems more likely that he didn't, but he didn't treat her well. He left her alone. She was four years old, you know, alone. When she was found, it was 1 a.m. and she was in a locked room alone playing with toys on a filthy mattress. So, you know, it wasn't a nice experience for her either way. Um no, and that's why even if he didn't sexually assault her or really harm her physically that much, the mental trauma, and she'll have to endure that for the rest of her life. Yeah. And I know in the episode we spoke about how he kind of had a, an obsession with dolls and that there was a psychologist report that said that after he took Cleo, he felt euphoria for fulfilling his idolized fantasy of having a little girl he could dress up, play, and be with. He said, I wasn't planning to keep her forever, you know, like I was getting guilty every day and it was just more weight on my shoulders. So because he pled guilty, he did get a five-year sentence reduction, um, mm. which explains why it is seems short, more, even shorter, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That was a crazy story. Parts of it do remind me because I was, um, we're going to do an episode on Elizabeth Smart as well. And I was watching the documentary today and some of that reminds me of what happened to her was really terrible and much longer than what happened to Cleo, but just the random like stranger abduction basically. Yeah. It's yeah. And I, I, like, I know it's Elizabeth, we we're getting to it in the episode, but Elizabeth was older. She was, but yeah, I don't know, I guess just different. I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm trying to kind of say, but basically I know that Cleo is little, so maybe she won't remember everything, but I do feel like a lot of this trauma then becomes kind of embedded in your body and it, it, it's a different, you'd have to figure out a different way of dealing with it. Yeah. So that was just an update. I don't think there'll be much more on the Cleo case after that. He's sentenced. You know, that's it essentially. Speaking of um, sentences that are that we feel are too short, I was just I don't know all the details, but I was just watching like my local news here. There's someone who drank and drove, crashed and killed two people, like other people that were also out driving, and they only got three years. I feel like that's I just insane. don't know how it works sometimes. Yeah, but I, I'm like, they they still killed two people. Mm. Whether it was an accident or not, like you chose to drink and drive. It's not like you were sober driving and there was an accident and they died. Like, Even the you chose Alex to drink and drive. Baldwin case, like I feel like it's probably a little bit different because essentially he didn't mean to for the you know the employee to be killed, but he's now being charged with her involuntary manslaughter. So yeah, it's interesting how it all works. Hmm. Yeah. Guess we'll get into today's topic, which is we're going to talk about Gannon Stouch. Is how you say it? Yeah. Actually, right? yeah. yeah. I still always read it as Storch, but it's not Stouch. I read it as Stouch. <laughs> 
Uh, we're going to talk about Gannon Stauk today. This was a really big case when it happened. Um, we actually did have some older episodes on it, but we deleted some of our first episodes for various reasons. <laughs> some just, of our first attempts. <laughs> yeah, um, just because we can do a better job now. And so this trial is going on right now, and there are a lot of people, even though it was a big case a lot of people followed, we've gotten a lot of messages, too, of people being like, wait, like I don't know what this trial is about. So yeah. this episode, we're just going to go through like the initial timeline, like when Gana went missing, everything that went on up to the trial, basically. And then the trial is going to go on for like two months or something. Yeah, this is the first week of the trial. So there's already been quite a lot happen. It's really, really going to need its own episode, I think, once it's concluded. We do have a Gannon highlight on our Instagram. If you haven't followed the trial yet and you want to start, it's all saved on the highlight. So you can go back and kind of read what's happened in the trial so far. Yeah, like I've been, we've both been like posting screenshots of stuff going on, but obviously there's, it's a big trial. We can't post literally everything, but just um, even if you check out the highlight, you could see what reporters are live tweeting and the whole thing and all that. And I have also started a blog, which I'm going to attempt my best to keep up with where I post the daily updates. And in that, I just kind of pick the main things because obviously every day there's, it goes on for hours and hours and hours. We just kind of pick the main important points of what's happened that day so it's not as overwhelming if you haven't followed it yeah but it's I haven't not that I haven't thought much about this case but it happened when did it happen 2020 2020. so it was right at the start of COVID like he went missing at the end of January it did happen all happened pretty quickly like he went missing in January and then his remains were found in the March so it was a pretty quick case in terms of do you know what I mean start to arrest yeah, but the it was very for a while. hectic. Um, but there was so much stuff because it's been a while. It's been like three years that I didn't even remember. And I was like, damn, I know. this one is crazy. It's very crazy. I'm just going to yell at Donnie. Hold on one second. Oh, he's so naughty. He's just running around <laughs> with like a tree in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Living his life. Okay, so let's get into Gannon's case or story. A manipulative liar. That's how Al Stout described his ex-wife, Letitia, during the first day of testimony in Letitia's murder trial. Her lawyers say Letitia Stout was legally insane when she murdered Al's 11-year-old son, Gannon, Letitia's stepson, in January of 2020. Al was in Oklahoma for National Guard training at the time. During his testimony on Tuesday, Al remembered Gannon as a resilient and loving little boy. Oh, some of his... Favorite times, and all of his friends can attest to this, is just playing video games. Um, I think he he wanted to be a YouTube uh, gamer. According to prosecutors, after Letitia Stout killed Gannon, she drove from Colorado to Florida with his body in a suitcase and then tossed it over a bridge. A bridge worker found the suitcase with Gannon's body still inside about six weeks later. In court, Al Stout recounted exactly what he said to Gannon the last time he saw him two days before Letitia shot and stabbed him to death. You're always going to be in my heart, and I'm always going to be in your heart. And I'll see you when I get back. And he's like, okay, Daddy, love you, and I'm going to finish watching Pokemon. I remember it like it was yesterday. Letitia Stout's lawyer says there's no explaining the fact that she murdered Gannon, except that she suffers from a serious mental illness caused in part by the emotional and sexual abuse that they say she suffered as a child. So Gannon was an 11-year-old boy from Colorado Springs in Colorado. Another Colorado case. 
Oh, yeah. He went missing in 2020, and his his body was eventually found, and his stepmother, Letitia, was arrested and charged with his murder. So Gannon Jacob Stauk was born on September 29, 2008. It's crazy. Like, I graduated high school in 2009. <laughs> to Albert Stauk and Landon Hoyt. Gannon was born three months premature, and he weighed only one pound, six ounces, and doctors only gave him a 10% chance of survival. Doctors also told his parents that if Gannon did survive, he would be mentally and physically disabled. But Gannon didn't just survive, he flourished, and as he grew, he participated in gifted and talented programs at school, and his physical growth was above average, so he seemed to really beat the odds against him. His little sister, Lena, was born on January 22nd, 2012, and Gannon's nickname was G-Man. Albert and Landon ended up getting divorced. Landon then remarried and stayed in South Carolina, where the family was previously based. Al, he moved with Lena and Gannon to his full-time National Guard duty. I mean, for his full-time National Guard duty. They lived in Alaska, then they moved back to South Carolina before settling in Colorado Springs. It is quite unusual um, that the father would get full custody. Like usually it's split or, you know, usually I'm just, I know I'm generalizing, but you know, usually it is the mother, but, and a lot of people have asked why Landon didn't have custody in this case. And I have read it's because when she got remarried, she was pregnant again and she was very, very sick with the pregnancies. Mm-hmm. So, um, Al ended up taking the kids. Landon is still involved in the children's lives. Like I know she's been at the trial and all that now, but Al was the one with custody. Yeah, they weren't, like, taken away from her or anything. No, no. I, th- I feel like it was a bit like the Kyron Horman situation where the mother was unwell and basically couldn't care for the children. So Gan's family have said that he loved tacos. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> he loved Nintendo. I think he loved playing his Nintendo Switch and the color blue. In 2015, Albert married a woman named Latasha. She also goes by Tasha or T. We'll probably just call her T for the sake of... This episode, Letitia, is a little hard to say. (laughs) So T was born on August 4th, 1983. She'd been married once before Albert, and that marriage produced a daughter named Harley. T does have a criminal record. Before all of this happened, she had been charged previously with domestic violence, battery, and theft. She worked as an elementary and secondary school teacher. I'm like, do these schools do background checks, or was it... Clearly not. (laughs) She ended up losing her certificates in both North and South Carolina due to contract breaches. And when she moved to Colorado, she worked as a teacher at French Elementary School in Colorado Springs for one semester before the school terminated her. She had also gone through a three-day orientation to work at Mountain Ridge Middle School, and that school ended up retracting their employment offer. So even just that gives you a little idea of her being kind of hectic and chaotic yeah unstable it's good word for it um so in january 2020 al was out of town in oklahoma for national guard training and t was at home with gannon lena and harley the last day that gannon was seen alive was friday january 24th so on monday january 27th 2020 T called 911 just before 7 p.m. to report that Gannon was missing. Yeah, just to clarify too, I think last seen alive was by anyone outside of the family. We we now know that he was alive up until the Monday, but no one else really saw him. Like that's just to clarify that. He didn't die that Friday. He was at school, I'm assuming, on the Friday, and then that, that was kind of last seen by anyone outside of the family. 
So she was instructed to call the non-emergency number. And when she did, she told a dispatcher that she had allowed Gannon to stay home sick that day. And she said at 3.15, he had left to go to a friend's house without his cell phone. When she was asked the names of his friends, she said that she didn't know. Also a little weird to stay home sick from school but then be allowed to go to your friend's house. Mm, She really didn't think this through. (laughs) No. Deputies from the El Paso County Sheriff's Office went to the Stout House at around 10 p.m. and T allowed them to search. Police viewed CCTV from ring cameras in the neighborhood and Gannon could not be seen on any of them, leaving the house around 3 p.m. to go visit this alleged friend. So we quickly learned some more about the last day of Gannon's life. T told Al that Gannon had been sick with a stomach virus on the Sunday night. She told a school on Monday that he would be absent that day. She also told Al that she was going to call in from work to look after him. She said, I'm just going to give them an excuse at work and stay home with him. So the um, excuse that she came up with was just a casual that her stepfather had been hit and killed by a car. Like, what a diehard excuse. I don't know. Not just saying, like, I'm sick, I've got the stomach flu, whatever. Yeah. She comes up. Or even just that. being like, oh, my stepson's sick, I have to take care of him. Yeah. So like that's also a reasonable excuse. But no, she went all the way to a level 10 with that one. Um, T and Gannon left the house at 10.16 a.m. on Monday, January 27th. This has been verified by CCTV. Her vehicle then returned back at 2.19 p.m. Gannon cannot be seen returning. So that is kind of weird because it kind of implies in the affidavit that he didn't return. I believe he did return and he was killed after this. He just wasn't seen. Like it's kind of a weird point to include, but I guess they have to put it in just in case because they essentially at the time didn't know what had happened to him. Um, But I feel like now that everything's come out, we know that he probably did return home at that time and then that's kind of when everything happened. The video's not out there or anything, so I don't know how it was set up where he could have just been out of He might have even just been, like, laying back in the car. Like, there's, you know, she could have just been seen driving. Obviously, she would be seen as the driver. So, there are, like, there are explanations they did have a garage. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I, so that part's a little unclear, kind of. Um, no activity was registered by the home security system between 10-12 and 2-22. Harley was at work and Lena was at school. So this implies that Gannon and T were home together. T was a big phone user between the 25th and 29th of January. She spent almost 11 hours on Facebook alone. I feel like for that many days, that's not that <laughs> When I read that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's not that much. I can use a fair bit, but, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who do more and, you know, anyway, it's, 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 like a substantial amount of time, I guess. Yeah, I should check mine just for comparison. But and that, I, do you know what? I guess that is just Facebook alone. So I'm pretty sure she was on Instagram, like you know. So I, her screen time would have been obviously more, but just 11 hours on Facebook. Yeah, basically she was on her phone a good amount. It's not like she yeah. was one of those people who would just like throw her phone to the side and forget about it. So despite her phone use, she left her phone at home on the morning of January 27th. So really the point is just like she's not the type of person to leave her phone behind. This was unusual Um, behavior out of character. A text was sent from Gannon's phone to Harley, so his uh, half-sister. No. Stepsister. Stepsister. At 10.37 a.m. that said, T left phone at home. If you need her, text me. So I guess that Gannon had kind of like a kid's cell phone that didn't really do much. Yeah. T went to Petco in Colorado Springs that morning. There's a receipt for a purchase by her at 11.22 a.m. 
Gannon can't be seen on CCTV from Petco, so maybe he just stayed in the car. Her whereabouts between 11.22 and 1.22 are unknown. She was seen on CCTV at Petco again, again, at 1.22 p.m., making another purchase. Al texted Gannon at 12.06 saying, hey, buddy, the message wasn't answered until 1.21 p.m. with the response, can I play Zelda at least? And Al replied, not today. I'm assuming that because, you know, he was off school sick, you know, they said, well, you've got to rest, you know, no games. That's what I'm assuming that kind of came from. Yeah, I think I read or during the I don't know if this was like in this part, but during the trial in the phone calls, T's excuse. I think it was mentioned that he was kind of punished or like had limited time on his switch. That's why he was asking, like, can he please play? Um, But I think that he wasn't allowed to be playing it for some reason at that moment. At 1.43 p.m., a search was made by Gannon's phone for the term, can my parent find my cell phone if it's off? But due to the grammar used in the search, it's believed that T was the one who made the search, which is strange. But that was at 1.43. But then it's like also like, so when they texted back and said 1.21, Gannon responded, can I play Zelda at least? And then they're saying 20 minutes later, T was using it to search his phone. So what could she have been the one to text Al back but maybe she was just like obviously this is all just speculation but well she left her phone at home yeah can I just use your phone for a second like I have no doubt that the wheels were in motion this whole day she was figuring out what to do because she knew she was going to kill him allegedly yeah it's a weird day yeah it's just a very all over the place day yeah all right that makes sense I forgot she didn't have her phone after T arrived home at 2.20, despite being without her phone for hours, she didn't even unlock it until around 25 minutes after arriving home. During that time, there is motion activity both upstairs and downstairs on the security camera records. Lena got home from school around 3.15, and she told police that when she got home, T told her that Gannon was asleep in his bed and that Lena could not see him. She told Lena to go play outside. So at this point, it already seems like something's up. Um, Yeah, I feel like really... Between 2.20 and 3.15, obviously probably before 3.15, but yeah, after 2.20, I feel like it happened very quickly as soon as they got home. Yeah, and Olivia and I were just saying like off the record on the side that we're talking, we don't know, it's not out yet, like if she did anything to him during that trip, if anything at during all. During the there's morning. Like, yeah, because there's like weird time gaps and it seems like she suddenly got home and was kind of panicking and doing stuff, so... It's not really known yet if anything happened during that ride. I haven't really ever thought about it till we started talking about it, but it would make sense, for example, if she drugged him because that would explain why he wasn't seen on CCTV at Petco, why she could use his phone, why he wasn't seen on CCTV coming back. Like if he was lying down in the car drugged and sedated, you know. And like a kid would want to go in Petco. There's little pets in there to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like an 11-year-old isn't going to want to sit in the car. She was out all day, like from 10 a.m. or whatever time she left till 2. Like it's a long time. Yeah, so. and imagine it's cold in Colorado in January. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, so we'll see if anything comes out about that during the trial. But that's all that's known at this point. So police believe by this time Gannon had been murdered and that T was cleaning up the mess, which is why she told Lena to go outside. At 3.55, Al texted Gannon, hey, buddy, again, but that message wasn't read until 7.40 p.m. Harley arrived at the house at 4.42, and I don't think we said how old Harley is. She's a teen. 
Yeah, so she was a, she was under 18 at the time. I believe now she's around 19, 20, so she was probably 17 at the time. Yeah. yeah. 16, 17-ish. Can um, you drive by yourself at 16? Uh, probably not, so probably 17. Yeah, that's why I thought 17 because I'm sure she was dri- – like there was no adult with her, so yeah. yeah. Harley arrived at the house at 4.42 and she picked up Lena at 4.52 p.m. T texted Harley and asked her to buy carpet cleaner, trash bags, and baking soda. And it's believed that these items were what she used to clean up the crime scene. The actual text said, carpet powder, two things, baking soda, trash bags. Police visited the house that night and there are photos from their visit in the affidavit. The pictures show Gann's bedroom at two different times in the morning before he was murdered and when the police arrived. The blankets, pillow, and pillowcases appear to be different. Police believe the original bedding was removed by T as they were bloodstained. Police conducted five different searches at the house and were never able to find the original bedding. Just to kind of add on, so this this is kind of a chronological timeline. At the time when the affidavit was released, they didn't find the bedding. Eventually, they do find it, which we'll go into. Yeah, and the reason why there was pictures in the morning, because that also seems weird, I think she took pictures of Gannon in the bed and sent them yeah. to Al or something. Like, yeah, like, she was hundred percent setting this up. All yeah. Day. yeah. Like she was saying he was sick and like took yeah. a picture of him in the bed or something. But I guess that was good in the end because they were able to compare it. So the bed's also sitting a little bit away from the wall. Al said that that's kind of weird because it's usually pushed firmly against the wall. So it seems like the bed could have possibly been moved. The following morning, which is January 28th, T rented a 2019 Kia Rio from Avis in Colorado Springs. She picked Al up at the airport at 8.50. And there's been a lot of discussion about why she didn't drive the Tiguan that she owned instead and decided to rent a car. Uh, The vehicle was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. So that was kind of one of the first big red flags. And I know we're not really talking about the trial, but phone calls from that time have come out. And Al said that that was one of the first big red flags for him too, like when he started kind of putting the pieces together. Apparently, like I don't really know much about leasing vehicles, but apparently if it's an emergency, it's fine to put miles on your vehicle. That's what he said. So he was like, this doesn't make sense. Well, I think that he was saying it in this terms of like, are kids missing? Why are you yeah, worrying don't worry about miles, the miles on your car? Yeah. Yeah. So she said she told Al that she didn't want to put extra miles on her car because it was a lease because you know you only get a certain amount of miles a year and she instead decided to rent a car because that's more cost efficient (laughs) which definitely isn't because if you go over miles it's only like a little bit for every mile but so she returned the Kia on the morning of January 29th She'd, she'd only driven to 71 miles in the hire car, so that wasn't like a huge – she wasn't driving thousands of miles or hundreds of miles even. She drove 71 miles. Um, and she returned it on the 29th. So police actually believe that Gannon's remains were in the Tiguan, and that's why T didn't want to drive it around. She parked the Tiguan in the short-term parking lot at Colorado Springs Airport before she rented the Kia. She picked up the Tiguan at 7 p.m. on the 28th, and police believe this is likely when she went and disposed of Gannon's remains. The Tiguan's whereabouts are unknown. were unknown between 7.02 p.m. on the 28th and 12 p.m. on the 29th, which is a period of around 17 hours. And so the Tiguan was seized from T on the 29th. And another thing that came out, I'll stop bringing up things, but just relevant to this, during the phone calls that they played in the trial, I guess T told Al that her car was parked at 
the elementary school, school or something yeah. for some reason and he went and looked and saw that it wasn't there and that's when he was like all right something's up I just can't even imagine like imagine if you were in this situation as Al and you got home and you asked like yeah I've just rented a car you'd be like what the fuck is going on hearing the phone calls from the trial and this like she's just changing her story constantly I was like I would want to strangle her mm. And he, he, I feel like he absolutely knew very early on that she was probably involved. So he just knew that he had to kind of stay level-headed and get the information that he needed. Yeah, he did get frustrated with her at points, which is totally reasonable, but like, ugh, I just couldn't even imagine. T arrived for a scheduled interview with police around 12 p.m. on the 29th. When she arrived, the car was wet and appeared to have been recently washed. T can be seen at a car wash on CCTV at 11:30 and the car was that's when the car was seized. On February 1st, 2020, the FBI searched the Tiguan. Traces of blood were found on the rear of the vehicle, rear passenger seat and front passenger seat and in an area near the glove box. So it kind of seems like it was like all over the place. The car also reacted to luminol, which indicates blood. Luminol lit up on the rear bumper of the car. And this is significant as blood ended up being found on the floor of the garage, which is consistent as to where the rear end of the Tiguan would be parked. So back to the scheduled interview between her and the police. She had been asked to come in at 10 a.m., but she didn't arrive until noon. When she finally arrived, she had written notes and asked police if she could just read the notes instead of answering their questions. And they've said too that that was like, obviously it's weird, but they said basically <laughs> that never happens. Like this was such a weird scenario for them. You know, they're like, what is going on? That this isn't no- absolutely not normal practice by anyone else who's asked to come in for an interview. Yeah. So during this interview, she deviated from her original story. She told police that she had been held at gunpoint and raped by a Hispanic man she knew as Eduardo. She said that Eduardo had then abducted Gannon. She said that she got back to the house around 2.30 on the 27th and disarmed the alarm system. She said she then went into the basement where Eduardo ambushed her. He attacked her and pointed a gun at her. Eduardo apparently heard Lena arrive home from school and he let T go upstairs to greet her. This is why T apparently sent Lena outside to ride her bike when she got home. T then went into the basement where Eduardo raped her for an hour. She told police that she hit her head during this time and may have blacked out. Police never saw any evidence of any injuries on her head or anything like that. T said that Gannon then came into the basement. He jumped on Eduardo's back. Eduardo then threw Gannon across the room and he held a gun at Gannon and demanded a suitcase. T gave him a brown suitcase and a cardboard box. Eduardo, like why throw in the box? Eduardo (laughs) tried to rape her again, but she hit her head and blacked out again. Please review all the CCTV in the area for signs of this Eduardo and found nothing. They offered T the opportunity to have a sexual assault nurse examiner conduct an examination at the hospital, but she refused. She told police that she had met Eduardo first on January 26th, the day before this happened. She told police that Gannon had knocked over <laughs> it's the most random stories. Oh no. All her stories are so random. I don't even know what she was thinking. That Gannon knocked over a candle which burned the carpet. She apparently then went for a drive around the neighborhood before she came to a construction site where she met Eduardo. There, she saw Eduardo. He was working on a house, and she asked if he could come and repair the the candle damage. He agreed, and T gave him the garage door code, 
with the agreement that he would repair the carpet the following day while she was out. It's so weird. So her thinking is that there was this um, damage to the house. So she just went for a drive and hopefully found someone who was working on a construction site because that person would absolutely be able to fix burned carpet. (laughs) Bitch, you use the internet, clearly. (laughs) Also, how much damage... Like it's not like the house was on fire. I mean, it's all a lie, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I just like I just I, her thought process is mind blowing, really. Um, so T alleged the rape happened between three thirty and four thirty p.m. During that time, though, when police examined her phone, they found an outgoing phone call as well as numerous texts to Al and Harley. The texts were sent at three forty one, three forty two, three forty three, three forty four, four eleven, four nineteen, four twenty. So clearly, she's not texting and calling while she's being sexually assaulted in the basement and while she's blacked out twice. Yes. During that time of the alleged rape, the back door was open and closed 10 times. If T was being attacked in the basement and Lena was outside, this would kind of be impossible for anyone to be opening the door that many times. Police allege that the opening and closing of the doors was T getting cleaning supplies and cleaning up the scene going in and out, which would make sense. T finally had enough of the interview and she told police that she wanted to leave. Police took her phone and detained her while they applied for a search warrant for DNA. She began stuffing tissues in her pants and said she was having chest pains and shortness of breath. Paramedics were called and she was taken to the hospital. She ended up signing herself out before all the examinations were completed. I don't know. What is up with the tissues? Like, I, like, I remember that at the time. I'm like, what is going on? I feel... I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's a lot of things in this case I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something that we'll probably talk about later. Like a big question of the trial is, is she mentally competent? Like, she tries to be uncompetent. I think she definitely has a lot of mental health issues, but I do think she still knew what she was doing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not saying, like, she's totally fine, mentally sound person. Yeah. I feel like she's very manipulative. Mm-hmm. So police searched the... Stouch house over the next few weeks. The family remained living in the house and it was not initially sealed off as a crime scene. Blood ended up it's weird that it took them so long to do this. And it like I just feel like there were so many missed opportunities. Even like the car should have like the whole thing should have been sealed straight away. I guess you know, I guess they never thought that the case would end up like this and that it was probably a runaway case. But yeah, there was a lot of missed opportunities and then things took way longer and were more complicated than they needed to be. Yeah, luckily T didn't do a great job of cleaning up, so there's still enough evidence for them to find, but it's crazy it took so long. Um, So blood ended up being found throughout the house, and there was visible blood in Gannon's room as well as the garage. Fifty droplets of blood were found on the walls near Gannon's bed. Gannon's mattress was also stained with blood, and enough blood surrounded an electrical socket near Gannon's bed that had seeped around the edges and left an outline. So this is why we are talking about why it was like, a little confusing with the timeline of their day out before because the way it is it makes it seem like something could have happened to Gannon then but it's clear that something happened at the house so he did make it back to the house yeah I would love to know where, where that two hours you know that they said that the unknown two hours where she was all right so when police searched T's cell phone they found that she had lied to her employer to Al her friends her daughter and the kids babysitter there's one line from the affidavit which made me have a little laugh and the police officer had written I will not include each and every text message or lie (laughs) so she was telling everyone different stories she actually also text messaged investigators and tried to concoct a story about why she had blood on her 
It says, when we came back inside from the smoke, there was blood on both of us. I didn't know what to do. I was scared I would get fussed out about it and I didn't know if I, if he should go to the doctor. I kept trying to add the candle thing, but Albert kept saying it was small and minor. I was sacred, which I think is scared. I was scared the basement was smoky and when I threw the covers on everything, we both had blood. So they're like, what is going on? The place in the affidavit said there was no odor of smoke, no evidence of smoke. That they said the basement actually smelled like coconut and was very pleasant. So I'm, I'm assuming she's kind of implying that there was this fire from the candle and all this stuff. So it's just a weird. She's made up every story possible. Like yeah. So on January 28, which is the night that T, we think, probably got rid of Gannon's body first, no GPS data was able to be obtained from her phone as she had turned it off. They included in the affidavit some of her searches, Google searches, which indicated unhappiness in her marriage. Between January 25 and 28, so this is all around the time that Gannon disappeared and was murdered, she looked for jobs in other states. She also looked for two-bedroom apartment rentals in Florida and she used a moving cost calculator. She visited Priceline and searched for a rental car on January 28 at 8.17 a.m. and this is right before she rented that Kia for the day. So, All her Google searches are in the affidavit if you want to have a look. I'll just read out a few of them that are kind of interesting. Um, Find real military singles. I'm over doing all the work for my stepkids and their mum doesn't help. If you aren't involved in your kid's life, you are shitty. Um, I wonder if my husband's ex-wife is sending me a card since I raised her kids. Is that like saying she clicked or? No, she. this is her search. This is what she's Googling. And when she Googles, like I do it sometimes on my phone too because the full stop or period or whatever you guys call it is kind of in a weird. So sometimes I put a period where there's not meant to be one if I'm searching and I don't bother to correct it. She does that a lot. Like she's, you can tell it's all her searching these things. Um, It's crappy. Some parents don't care for their kids or buy them presents. Parents are those who put their kids before their nails. I'm sure that's what that says. Um, Find me a rich guy who wants me to take care of his kids. (laughs) Um, Suede repair kit for sofa. School is out. Is it okay for my kid to stay home alone? Then the last ones are police steps for our runaway, police steps for our missing child. They are asking for our son's toothbrush but said nothing is wrong. So this is these are the that kind of things later, yeah. that she's searching, um, and then there was a few more, and I'll just go back into it that are interesting. It's like learn how to use Google. This isn't stuff you Google. <laughs> these are other searches that she made. Find me a new husband book. <laughs> are there any free money to move away from bad situation? My husband never posts about me, but does everything else. I'm just a glorified babysitter. Sent my husband sexual messages and he ignores them. Find a guy without kids. <laughs> I thought you want a rich guy to kids to take care of. So in terms of the search that I read out about the toothbrush, at 4.17 p.m. on January 28, police asked T for Gannon's toothbrush so they could get his DNA. That's when she made that search at 4.19, so two minutes after. She then had a text message conversation between Al with Al between 4.31 and 4.33. She said, something isn't right. I think they are hiding something. And he said, who are the police? And she said, yeah, they are asking for toothbrushes. And he said, hmm, what do you think they're hiding? But, like, what was she expecting from that search? Like, other people being like, like, that is a very oddly specific situation. <laughs> I don't, like... I don't know. She clearly was like having some sort of episode. I don't know. So that same day at 10.45 p.m., she sent another text message to investigators and this is what she said. 
What do you want from me? Because I have nothing. One of your very own leaked to me what you guys were doing. I did nothing and or am being set up. I'm not really even sure other than being told by another blue with El Paso. I was told I couldn't go home to sleep. And on top of that, men were sent to the home with a minor female, which I'm assuming is Harley. I'm assuming Harley. And she was mm-hmm. forced to stay there, not to even leave for food. Every conversation that said, even at this moment, I can hear inside, what do you want from me? And the detective wrote back, come in and talk to me. I would just like information to find Ganon. So after police seized her Tiguan, she rented another car, which was a 2020 Nissan Altima. Police believe that she returned in this vehicle to where she disposed of Gannon. She drove to an area near Palmer Lake, Colorado on January, 20, oh, sorry, on January 31st. Police said that there was no explainable reason for her to be in that area. She didn't know anyone there. She had no business being there. It was just a weird location for her. Police did end up getting some raw data from the Tiguan, which indicated that T had been in that same Lake Palmer area between 9.15 and 9.30 p.m. on January 28th. So that's the night that she rented the car, she went back and got the Tiguan, and then she just went back to that area on January 31. I was home at that point, right? Like she went and picked him up from the airport? Yeah. So I don't like that's not another okay, thing. He- what, what, where did you think she was for these this 17-hour period? Like I'm assuming she went home. When she picked up the car after she – so she rented the car, took it back, picked up the Tiguan, and then by the time they she went to the police for the interview, it was 17 hours. So Maybe she was saying because she has family like in South Carolina, but still like, I don't know, yeah. weird. I wonder what he was thinking. So on February 1st, T responded to online comments about her possible involvement in the case. She said, I took care of Gannon for the last two years in our home. I would never, never, ever hurt this child. And I know there are some questions out there. That's up to the investigations when they end up letting you guys know, but I've cooperated with them. We're going to find Gannon and that's the main goal that we all have. I'm just ready for Gannon to come home. So as we quickly mentioned earlier, Al allowed the police to monitor all his phone calls with T. Her stories to him continued to change. She said during a phone call on February 13 that Gannon had been burned by a candle so badly that his skin bubbled. She said that Gannon peeled the burns off and wiped blood on his bedroom wall. So this is her story about why there was blood. I guess she didn't realize how much blood there was. So she told him that on February 13. The following day, February 14, she had another conversation with Al and her story changed again. She basically said that the rapist was now a man named Quincy Brown, um, not Eduardo, as she had originally said. She told Al that when the police came to her house after she'd called to report Gannon missing, the abductor was actually still there. The deputies did search the house. There was no one else there at that time. She said that she knew Gannon's abductor was Quincy Brown because she saw a paper and his ID card fall out of his pocket and that had his name on it. She sent a photo of Quincy to Al. This photo was um, from news because Quincy, there was a Quincy Brown who is a criminal in Colorado and he had been featured on the news as like a most wanted criminal. So she obviously saw this, took the opportunity and decided that Quincy Brown was now going to be the abductor. And these are the calls that I was referencing that at the start of the trial, these are the ones that they're playing. Um, And when she sent the screenshot of like the Quincy Brown on the news, he was literally like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Um, So she then, another story that she told Al about Quincy was that Quincy followed her from Petco and at some point was laying in the middle of the road in front of her car. She stopped the car to avoid running him over and he jumped into her car, made her take him home and then he raped her. Another story that she told Al was that T and Gannon were riding, sorry, T and Gannon were in northern El Paso County and Gannon was riding his bike and he fell off and hit his head and then he was abducted by Quincy Brown. This is what I mean. These are all these crazy stories that she keeps talking about. It's ridiculous. 
She had originally said that her Eduardo was a Hispanic attacker. Quincy is actually described on the most wanted list as a black male. There is absolutely no evidence to support that Quincy Brown was ever involved in this case. Um, she told Al too as an explanation for blood that was found in Gannon's room that both her and Gannon's blood would be found because they had both been anally raped with an object. And these are such horrible, extreme, graphic lies. Yeah. <sighs> it's just, I just don't even, I, I really want to understand her thought process. <laughs> Um, so on February 12, police began to search for Gannon's remains on Perry Park Road in Douglas County. So this is kind of where they knew that she'd been on the 31st. On February 15th, searchers found a piece of particle board that had blood on it and that blood was determined to belong to Gannon the next day. The area in which the board was found is rural and it was covered in 6 to 12 inches of snow. Wildlife in their area includes bears, coyotes and mountain lions and police thought at that time that Gannon's remains had been dumped there and were probably scattered by the animals. On February 16, T told a friend named Teela Cummings that she had been giving Al false stories because she didn't think he would believe anything she said anyway. She decided that she was going to take a polygraph test. Uh, She told a friend that she was going to take one, but it wouldn't be admissible in court, so no police would be present. So she found a website called Fake Polygraph. taking a polygraph test, she actually (laughs) meant. She found a website called fakepolygraph.com. On February 18, she called a number registered to that site. She told the person on the phone that she never got confirmation of a test she paid for and she spelled her name. So this was clearly her. It wasn't her under a fake name. She was using her real name. You know, Spelling that, it. That was 10.14 a.m. She called again at 11.16 a.m. and asked about an email she had received. I'm assuming the company told her they weren't going to send out the test results because the mail said that in case of any illegal activities, they reserved the right not to send the report. So the conversation said, she said, Letitia said, what do you what do you do now? Just delete it and go about life and keep the money. And the male said, "Yes, we do indeed." And she said, "Okay, I got you. Thank you. Goodbye." <laughs> this is what I also mean by like, unless they're just trying to argue that in the instance that she murdered Gannon, she was insane and didn't know what she was doing. But like, this stuff is all very calculated. So she apparently, I guess. So I guess how this fake polygraph works. I don't know. You submit your questions and then they give you the answers that you want. Like you know, usually it'd be like, "Did you cheat on your husband? Did you have an affair?" I'm assuming it would be that kind of thing usually. But these are the questions that she asked. Do you intend to answer these questions regarding your stepson truthfully? Yes. Is your birthday August 4, 1983? Yes. Did you participate in any way in causing harm to your stepson? No. Did your stepson return with you to your home? Yes. Did you participate in any way in causing the death of your stepson? No. <laughs> Immediate red flag. <laughs> um, so February 21, 2020, the search efforts for Gannon were suspended. On February 28th, a judge signed off on the arrest warrant for T. So she was arrested in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina on March 2nd. While she was allegedly being extradited back to Colorado, she somehow attacked a deputy after she slipped out of her handcuffs. Al filed for divorce on March 5th, 2020. He said the marriage was irretrievably broken and T was formally charged with Gannon's murder on March 11, 2020. So just a few days later, March 17, Gannon's body was found under a bridge near Pensacola in Florida. He had been wrapped in the bedding that we mentioned earlier, which is obviously why they hadn't been able to find it up until that point, and he had been shoved in a suitcase. So when an autopsy was conducted, it was found that Gannon had been shot in the jaw, stabbed in the chest and back, and had also suffered a skull fracture. He had cuts to his arms and hands that appeared to be defensive. A bullet was found in his skull and two bullets were found in the pillow that had been shoved in the suitcase. So we since have learned a little bit more about T's movements after the car was 
um, seized from her. On February 1st, 2020, she rented a van and drove with Harley from Colorado to Pensacola. This is a 21-hour drive from where they lived. They stayed in a hotel around three miles from where Gannon's body would eventually be found. So she left Colorado Springs on February 1st after they seized her car, which I guess that explains why there was all these phone calls between Al and her. They weren't communicating in person anymore after that point. She was gone. She dropped the suitcase with Gannon's I should, she allegedly dropped the suitcase with Gannon's body in it off the Escambia River Bridge on the morning of February 4. She and Harley then traveled to Orlando and then to South Carolina where she was arrested. So since T was arrested, she's been up to a lot of mischief in jail, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hi- hijinks. A jail busybody. Yeah. She wrote a letter to a Colorado Springs judge saying that she had been abused and mistreated. The letter is... Five, uh, five pages long <laughs> so you will not read it all but basically it goes on I'll just start a little bit um she has concerns about privacy she had a very difficult morning because she's not mentally well um I, I'll put the whole letter on the blog but basically it just goes on to why she's having this bad time and why she's having issues with kind of her legal defense she says she hasn't seen any evidence while being held yes COVID but inmates were still being held as our constitutional rights were adjusted so she goes on and on and on. Um, she goes, every day I'm getting worse mentally due to inadequate representation and being held hostage for a crime I did not commit. These are my conflict issues and my reason for asking to go pro se. As always, thank you for your time. So her lawyers um, asked for two mental competency evaluations and she passed them both. In February 2021, a judge, T told a judge that she wanted to represent herself. She told the judge that she had an ace in the hole. So that didn't happen. The trial, as we mentioned, has just started. She does have legal representation. Um. Wait, this bullet point. So in the letter, she makes like a bullet point kind of thing of all her issues or just like a list. There's one that says, oh, frig, no, I lost it. Inconsiderate of evidence. Since March 2020, I asked my attorneys to preserve the GameStop footage to locate the Texas police officer whom I spoke with and to get the cruise passenger list. Instead, they spent months contacting my family for mitigation. When asked certain things, they kept saying they will let the investigators know. One year later, same answer. What cruise passenger list? She's crazy. Like even like I know, there's a lot that's come out kind of in the trial and things like when the police took her passport, she was pissed off because she said she needed it because she had an airline job. Like there's all these things. I'm assuming this is just to go along with another story that she had. And I do feel like probably, like I said, she definitely has some mental health issues, mental illness, and maybe the stress of all of this after the fact caused her to have even worse, like a stress response, which exasperated these issues. But even though it's easy to be like, none of this makes sense. She's out of her mind. I still do think she knew what she was doing at the time. So like, so she was arrested March 2020. It's now April 2023. So it has taken three years to get this to trial because of all these competency evaluations, her behavior, her kind of stalling, um, and that she has pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. So the, it seems that the route they're going to go down for the trial is that she did kill Gannon. That's not been denied, but that she was insane when she did it. Yeah, I guess they're going to try to argue that just in that moment, she was like in a 
manic episode or whatever type of episode where she didn't know what she was doing. But I still think even just her cleaning, knowing to clean up and doing all this stuff, asking for cleaning supplies, like she was aware enough of what was going on. It's not like she just snapped, like a bit like Lindsay Clancy, for example. Lindsay Clancy was found at the house, you know, minutes after she killed the child. It was clear that she had had a break or and whatever, some, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and there's some planning for T because she – absolutely. Like, Took Gannon out, made those weird searches on his phone. Like she definitely, in my opinion, was aware and knew what she was doing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the trial. It's going to go on for a long time. We're in April. It'll probably wrap up in June at some point. Um, we might. We would definitely do an update episode on the trial. Maybe we could do a halfway point one, depending on what happens. Well, yeah, it's only been see how like things play out. Two or three days at this point. It's been pretty interesting to see. It's been full on already. Like at one point, the jury had to listen to a full 90 minute call between Al and T. Exhausting. Yeah, it would be exhausting. They're having a recess today. They're off for a day. So I don't, I don't blame them really. Um, yeah. And they said it's going to go on for probably two months. So I just feel like there's so much mess in this case. I wouldn't be surprised if she's found not guilty by reason of insanity. I have doubts I as to guilty. if she is insane. Um, I think it's such a high-profile case. I know like the jurors are supposed to be unbiased, but I do think a lot of people are angry about this one, even if they say they're unbiased. I have also read, I think, I hope I haven't got this wrong, but anyway, T didn't want to appear in court. She didn't want to be there for the trial. I have seen some videos of her where she's kind of looks like she's shoving earplugs in her ears so she doesn't have to hear what they're saying. And even yeah, when you like see- she's covering her face a lot. And even when you see, because it is being kind of live streamed, she's always huddled in a corner. Like it's, so it's like she's trying to hide from people trying With to see her. With her hair in front of her face. She looks terrifying. Someone said she looks like the lady from The Ring because she's got this stringy hair over her face and she's got- Yeah. yeah. And I also saw, which was interesting, so obviously we said that Gunner loves the colour blue and like all the kind of um, T-shirts and things that people have made for Gunner are always blue. And I think on either the first or the second day of the trial, T wore a blue T-shirt. So Is she allowed to pick what she wears? Well, that's like they went, that was the question, does she pick or did someone pick that for her as kind of a fuck you? Mm. So I don't know. Anyway, it's a horrific case. I just And when his actual injuries came out in the autopsy, that poor kid. Yeah, it's very yeah. sad. So I think that is it for the case of the murder of Gannon and then up to the trial where that's a you know that has just kicked off. Yeah, and we'll be posting about the trial on our Instagram as much as we can, at least the bigger parts or when we have a chance to do so. It's a very big trial, but follow us on Instagram if you want to follow along with some of the updates. Um, our Instagram handle is True Crime Society. You can also check out our blog on this case that Olivia said she's going to try her best to keep updated. <laughs> um, we do have a lot going on, so we'll try our best. <laughs> but that's at truecrimesocietyblog.com. Um, if you want to follow our personal Instagram accounts, mine is stephsum underscore. Olivia's is TCS Olivia. If you want to see anything from her exciting trip to Japan. Um, so follow us there. Also Spotify now. If you guys are listening on Spotify, make sure you follow us. You can also interact now. There's little questions on there. If you go to like the episode page, it automatically populates a, what did you think of this episode? And for some of them, we've been doing polls. So that's really cool if you listen on Spotify, but definitely make sure you follow us on Spotify. Apple, you can leave us reviews, all that. Leave us reviews wherever you can. Nice ones, please. Ratings, whatever. And share the podcast with all your friends, family, everything. And that's all the usual stuff, I think. That's it.
All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe out there. Peace out.